right, y'all, get ready for another edition of News and Trends with your host, Dave and Lynn. Welcome, welcome, welcome to News and Trends with Dave and Lynn. And you know when you hear that music, you know it's time for us to come on and do some stuff, you know. So thank you for taking the time to listen to us. I'm one of your hosts, Mr. David Coker, proprietor of Dave Mark Inc., promoter, event planner, media specialist, marketing and advertising. I do a little bit of everything. Um, hanging out with my partner, Mr. Leonard Young. Oh, by the way, I'm all around good guy. I, let me get that out. I forgot about that part <laughs> there. Uh, <laughs> and um, hanging out with my partner, Mr. Leonard Young. What's going on, guy? Hey, Dave, everything is good. This is Leonard Young, CEO of National Black Guy, DelawareBlack.com, Black Media Specialist. They everything is good. No complaints. Now you you mm-hmm. did forget it. You did forget Man About Town again. So Oh uh, yeah, I did I'm, forget about Man About Town. I'm assuming town. you I'm assuming you're no longer the man about town. Look, the man about town is tired <laughs> from or uh, let me let me put it let me put it this way. Ty Red from right. um from the weekend because you know it was also my birthday this weekend and you know we partied we we party friday night and man i was so tired after after that party man <laughs> i was worn out Hold so, on, so, so, but, you uh, so tired after the party that you got up and went to work the next morning right <laughs> i know i know i know that was crazy though because i wish i look if i had to do all over again i wouldn't have went <laughs> tell you because that was that was rough so, but uh, uh, understood. But I want to thank everybody who took the time to reach out on my social media pages and say happy birthday. I really appreciate it. And I also want to thank the people that came out that night. We had a nice crowd. Um, normally, we usually do when I do one of these parties. And um, thank you, Leonard, for coming through and showing love. Uh, of course, of uh, course. And, and uh, you know, uh, Shout out to um, one of our good friends, Mr. Dave Woolley, for coming through. Um, Dave Woolley, for those that you don't know, um, was the director of the Dion Warwick um, uh, documentary, Don't Make Me Over, that was out last year, that was been nominated for quite a few awards. Yeah. And he's up for NAACP award, uh, image award um, coming up um, soon. So, He's done very well with that. I'm, that's so funny though, because you remember when he he came on our show, um, me and Lemon's mm-hmm. uh, News and Trends show here, and t- kind of just kind of told us that it was about to happen, you know. So yeah. we're listening to him talk about it, and then this thing just take off, and it was an awesome, awesome documentary. His first time ever doing anything like this, and this guy is just, you know. When you hear people talk about the Midas touch, mm-hmm. it seems like everything that guy has ever touched has turned to gold. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. Dave, Dave is a very like, he's a very smart businessman, and you know one one thing I like that he always talks about is he takes chances. So two things. Well, one, he said, you know, he takes chances, and then two, he said, and and he kind of reiterated it when he was at your party. Um, you you might have been a networking around around town but you know he he said he never does the same thing twice 
So well, yeah, you said that on the show. When, yeah, when yeah, the show. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he talked about um, promoting the Mike Tyson fight, didn't do any yeah. fights after that. He did the the Dr. J, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar one-on-one, never did anything, did after, anything that. after that. Right? Yeah. Yep. So now, now, Dave, I will say I did ask um, Dave Woolley what he had next because, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, where, where do you go from here? He says he's, he's going to be working on a couple movies, documentaries or movies. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think I think he I think he's you know they're doing a movie about Dionne Warwick now because Tiana mm-hmm. Taylor is supposed to play her and I think he's involved okay. with that. I'm yeah, I'm so, sure um, I'm sure. Yeah. So, but um, shout out to to him because he's he's actually good friends to both Leonard and myself. We both know him on the individual level. I've known him, God, since college. Um, so back in the '80s, I met him when he Damn. was playing in a band. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Damn. All right. But but anyway, uh, when he was playing in a band, and, and, and that's funny because he had a band and he was playing mm-hmm. in a band, and and that band was good too. I mean, right. very very good. You know. So, um, but um, but we had a good time this weekend, and I just want to thank everybody for showing love and uh, and then the fact that I was able to make it to Monday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, you survived. I survived, man. I survived. So, um, it looks like the the weather is trying to cooperate a little bit for us. But everybody seems to think we're going to get another one, one more blast before this is over. What do you think? Um, I pray not. You know, going into the winter, I really wanted a real winter with real snow. And after we had that first one, I was like, you know, I'm I'm good. So you, I'm you're over it now. Right? Yep, yep, yep. So I'm 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 actually looking towards spring. I'm looking forward to some warmer weather. Um, so uh, I would not be happy with another another snow. Right. I think the time changes March 10th somewhere around there. Is it? So okay. that's in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So all right. All right. Well, we um, we definitely hope that the ground hall was right, and we only got maybe one or two more weeks of this, and we'll be done. So we'll see what happens. So, all right. Okay. So we got all of the little stuff out of the way. Oh, I did want to say because I mentioned this to you earlier, but I'm not sure if all our listeners have heard yet. Um, um, for those that are big fans of the councilman, um. Eric Mays um, from Flint, Michigan. I saw that he passed away today at the age of 65. I was kind of shocked when I saw that, you know, because um, I didn't know he was sick like that, but, um, or what may have happened, they didn't really say. But if anybody doesn't know who Eric Mays is, you need to Google him, <laughs> you know, because he was on fire. Um, and he, you know, a lot of people in, may not have liked the way he handled himself and the politics, you know, that he did, but he helped a lot of people. And he was one of the biggest advocates up there in Flint, Michigan, doing that whole water thing, um, mm-hmm. because he was the one that was fighting the hardest about get us some good water up here, you know, right. and, and so forth. But, you know, but Eric. Eric became a social media fan of a lot. I mean, uh, people became big fans of Eric Mays because he just had a different way of doing things. And he was throwing people out of his meetings and telling people to shut up and all of this (laughs) kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, he was just a piece of work. He really was. And and, um, 
he he had a voice that you could clearly distinguish. So when you hear someone with that voice yelling at you, yeah. you you know yeah. exactly who it was. He was like Samuel L. Jackson, you know, and, <laughs> you know what I mean, in meetings, you know, and he didn't care. He would cuss you out or whatever the case may be, but he was doing his work. And a lot of people didn't, yeah. you know, you may not like this tactics, but he was doing his work and he was in the office for a long time. And, you know, I know they're going to miss him up there because he definitely fought for the people. He definitely yeah. did. So, yeah, so I just wanted to make sure we – Pay to you know put the respect out there um, in his in reference to his passing. So, all right, so we're going to get into tonight's show, and boy, we got a great show for you tonight, folks. Um, we have a guest on with us tonight, and I'm going to have Leonard um, go ahead and and do her bio, and we're going to bring our guest on, and we're going to have a good time with her. So let's let's get it started. All right. Sounds good. So, um, Dave and guests today, we have Monica M. Pickett, and she is an author, cultural commentator, mother, grandmother and broadcaster, a highly sought after speaker and LGBTQIA rights advocate. She encourages one being their authentic self. Um, In quotes, I had to reinvent myself in doing what I decided to be authentically made, in quotes. She has also authored monthly columns for HuffPost.com, YourWeb.com, and Medium.com. Her column explores her thoughts, experiences, and advice about coming out, same-sex marriages, and divorce, as well as navigating the healthcare system, ongoing cultural bias, and a variety of other issues. Monica is the author of the international bestseller, best-selling Pretty Boy Blue trilogy. She has also contributed to the Unleashed Voice magazine and was a reoccurring host of Inside Out on WPFW FM 89.3 in Washington, D.C. Monica is also a member of the Black Speakers Network, a former advertising sales executive with the Washington Times, and the National Society of Black Engineer, Nesby. She earned a master's degree of human services from Lincoln University in 2001 and an MBA from John Hopkins University in 2005. She is a veteran of the United States Army, where she served as a medic in Operation Desert Storm and received an honorable discharge in 1991. So without further ado, Monica, we would like to welcome you to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Hey, Dave. Hey, Lynn. Hey, hey, man. Good, I'm, good, look, good. look, look, look. I, <laughs> I, I'm in all at the moment, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Well, first of all, thank you for your service, by the way. Uh, let's thank let's you. get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, um, very impressive, very impressive. And we're glad that you have a moment to uh, take some time to hang out with us. You know, so, so we we really yeah. look forward to spending this time with you. Yeah, thank you. So excited. Oh, okay. Good, good. So I, I guess, Monica, to start out, so um, just from the bio, one of the first things I mentioned was a highly uh, sought-after speaker, LGBTQIA rights advocate. Can you kind of explain how and um, kind of like your passion for speaking to that community or, you know, expressing their needs, you know, nationally? Yeah, you know, um, 
I came out in the early 80s at the age of 13. And as you can imagine, that was very difficult. Um, I was bullied relentlessly in school. Mm. I would cut class because the kids would bully me. Um, and I would go to DuPont Circle in D.C., which is like Boys Town. And all of the gay boys and the drag queens would be there acting like they were on fame and twirling. <laughs> um, but, you know, those those men taught me about courage and resilience and never allow anyone to see you sweat, you know. And um, I just think, you know, we've come a long way in terms of equality um, with the LGBTQIA community. But, you know, we still have children who are gay and lesbian and transgender who are bullied, who are murdered. Uh, we still have adults who, uh, for whatever reason, um, they feel as though they can't live their authentic lives. And that's sad to me because... You know, we all have a story to tell. Yeah, definitely. So I know you said you came out at the age 13, um, which, uh, you know, we, we won't call out years or ages, but, you know, a while ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure nowadays, do you feel like it's easier for, you know, children to come out in this day and age where, uh, and and I would say from my perspective, I feel like it's more accepted now, so it may be easier. But of course, you know, everybody has their, you know, their own struggle and, you know, their own, um, you know, way of doing anything. So I guess, you know, from your perspective, when you were 13, what what was that like? Um, it was really a sad time. Um, my father just owned me for several years. Um, my mother was in denial, but she was always very supportive. And um, my grandmother, my um, paternal grandmother, um, unfortunately, she just passed away. Yeah, so. Sorry to hear um, that. Yeah, thank you. But she said to me, love who you want to love. And me and Pop will love you and love who you want to love. And after that, I was, you know how we are with our grandmothers. I was like, (laughs) my grandmother said she still loves me. So I didn't really care what anyone else. Right. You know, but I think. It's more accepted, but I think it's it's also linked to uh, support within the household, like parents. Right. That that's the initial support, you know. And I think that's very important because you still have children who don't have that support, who still are kicked out of the house for being gay or lesbian or transgender, you know. Right. So now, how how did you come about writing monthly columns for the uh, the media outlets we mentioned? Um. Excuse me. Well, you know, I when I wrote the first book, Pretty Boy Blue, um, someone reached out to me from New York and said they wanted to connect me with the the CEO of the Unleashed Voice in Tennessee. And um, I, I had a um, I had a publicist at the time. And as you can imagine, publicists are very expensive. If you want a good one, they're very yeah, expensive. Right. $2,000 a month. And so I had a good publicist. And she uh, connected me with Huff- Huffington Post and Medium.com. And then she also connected me with EUR Web, which is like, you know, um, Black. I read that I read mm-hmm. that all the time. So yeah, I know all yeah, about so. EUR Web. Yeah, I haven't written an article in a while because I've just had so much going on with my grandmother passing and um, you know, I have to be in the, the mood to write. And right. 
So, um, yeah, so that's how I started. And so now, outside of the trilogy, I'm just working on expanding my brand outside of becoming an author. So that's why I'm speaking. That's how I find you guys, because, you know, I joined the Black Speakers Network. And, um, you know, I have an extensive sales background. So I was like, I'm going to find <laughs> find somebody i'm gonna stalk somebody and i yeah yeah well it's funny because that's a great still skill to have um sales because you know if you can sell yourself that you know that that right there saves a lot of money all right i I think the best sales people in the world they're not made they're born because i I can sell anything i believe in if i don't Mm -hmm. believe in it i can't sell it right I definitely agree with that. All right. Now, Pretty Boy Blue, the trilogy. Um, Can you explain the concept of the trilogy? And then, you know, how, like, what was it like working up to um, those novels? Um, You know, I was living in Chicago at the time. And unfortunately, I had a stroke. I'm a stroke survivor. And I was working uh, as an administrator at the Chicago Public Schools. I was trying to work my way up the ladder. And I had a stroke and I, you know, it was cold Chicago and I had to learn how to walk again. So I was stuck in the house. And so I was like, oh my goodness, I have to, there was such a sense of urgency to recreate myself. And I said, okay. So I started journaling to keep from spiraling into depression because I was like, wait a minute, I have a master's of human services from Lincoln, an MBA from Hopkins. I can't be a housewife. I was married. <laughs> and unfortunately, probably the second book, um, we I was going through a very devastating divorce. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought about it. And as I started reading the journals, I was like, oh, this is good. I think I could sell this. And, you know, it falls under erotica, but I didn't mean for it to. It's really about, <laughs> it's really about <laughs> courage and resilience, but you know, sex sales and yeah, no, it does. <laughs> uh, does it? I didn't know that. I, did, uh, I yeah. wasn't aware of that. Yes, yeah, I mean, so. I did a focus group, and one of my straight girlfriends, she's married, and she said, "I know you ain't into men, but when I read this chapter, I was so happy my husband was home." And I started, <laughs> "Girl, I said, oh, okay, I don't get it because right. if I can write and make you feel something, it doesn't matter." that the main protagonist is a lesbian. It doesn't matter. Right. If you feel something, then I've done my job. I, I so, definitely agree. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I, I was just saying I, I definitely agree. But you um, right then the kind of made me think, um, so I have Tyler Perry in my head. Would there ever be any plans to, you know, maybe try to turn this into a, 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 a mini series or a show or a movie or anything like that? You better shut up, Lynn. Yes. <laughs> I know, I know. See, my dream is to have the trilogy adapted into a screenplay. Mm. So I'm working on that now. And, you know, my grandmother once told me that if you dream about something, you think about it every day, yep. it's if you wake up thinking about it, then it's going to happen. And everything, you know, from coming out at 13 and being bullied and, you know, my grades weren't good in school because I would cut class. But I've done and I've become everything society that I could not become. Wow. You know, so, um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's my dream to adapt it into a screenplay. It may take some time, 
Um, yeah. It may come to fruition while I'm here on earth. It may not, but it's not just my legacy, but my grandchildren's legacy. Maybe one of them will bring it to fruition. I don't know. Right. Now, now what, what is the concept of the trilogy? You know, <laughs> one night, Lynn, I was married at the time and I started writing and my ex-wife was like, well, what are you going to, what is the title? I said, I don't know. I just, I'm just going to keep writing and God will send it to me. And one morning at three o'clock in the morning, I just opened my eyes and I started crying because it was three words, pretty boy blue. So pretty is what people used to say when I came out. They would say, you're too pretty to be that way back then. Mm, right. And then um, boy um, is because I wanted to challenge perceptions and narratives. I know I present as a very, you know, feminine woman, but I really felt like a boy on the inside. You know, I didn't want to be transgender mm -hmm. or anything. I just felt like a boy. Um, and then blue represents the sadness that I felt. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, when I came out. So that's the first book. Um, the darkest shade of blue. Um, you, you'll see Nikki Blue, the main character. She, you know, she grows and she, you know, she just always wanted to have a wife and family and, you know, all the older lesbians just worked her, honey. But, um, and then the evolution of Nikki Blue, you see that she is no longer standing in someone else's shadow. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And do you have any other books planned? Or, like, are you kind of focusing on, you know, your screenplay for this? Or, like, cause I almost feel like a lot of people get writer's fever when, like, once they write one book, they're like, oh, you know, like, I like this, like, let me move on to the next. Do you have some more planned? Of course, you know, I just did a a virtual book reading for a women's group in L.A. last night. It was so hilarious mm -hmm. because it was a pop-up event. And the woman who produces it, they didn't, they, they just knew it was a pop-up. It was a special guest. They didn't know I was going to be reading erotica. Oh, my God. <laughs> Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I, 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 they were blushing. And then, you know, I'm like, like I said, I love God, but I cuss a lot. You know, <laughs> I got an MBA from Hopkins, but I'm mm -hmm. from the village in Asbury Park. And so, <laughs> you know, my daughter-in-law was like, Mom, you're not going to have these older women dancing to my neck, my back, my kite, my kite. Yes, I am. They were dancing, Lynn, and wow. yes, indeed. Hold so, on, hold on. Were, were, were these white women, black women, all? Majority, majority of them were white. <laughs> so they were all in there dancing to my neck, my back, the explicit version. <laughs> really? The, 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 my neck, my back? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Blushing, mm -hmm. and so I read, I outlined two sections that I was going to read. And mm -hmm. then they were like, ooh. Okay, well, you want to ask? Do we want a Q and A, or you want to encore? So I read a third chapter, and um, it was just, you know, I'm just me. You know, you yeah. love me or you hate me. I'm just me. Wow. Okay. Um, one, one one thing I was just thinking really, really, really quick, and then I'll let Dave kind of know he has some questions as well. <clears throat> um, I know you talk about the screenplay, and the screenplay may take a little bit of time and that uh, adaptation, but I know um audio books 
are are very big too in the audio series. So just, I'm I'm sure you already thought about it, but I just wanted to throw it out there. I just have to make time for that lens. Yeah. Get the right engineer because that's important. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've thought of that too because a lot of people are like, "Oh God, I don't read," but I would definitely, I know. you know, do you know by audio and you know I just act, <clears throat> excuse me, like a drag queen and just be giving them voice because I was a disc jockey in college, so. Okay. Yeah, so I'm gonna. I just have a lot of things that I'm juggling right now, but you know, still working on everything. Sure. All right, Dave. I I, I know you itching, and I know you got some questions as well. Yeah. Um. Well, it's funny that you mentioned audio books because uh, Monica and I had a conversation. I asked her about that uh last week. I said, mm. I said, do you have an audio book version of this? <laughs> you know, like that. You know, because. I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm not, I've never been a reader. Um, I'm an information hound. Um, but if I, if, if there's a good audio book or, or whatever, I might listen to that or whatever, but I just don't have, I've, I, I don't have the patience to be the reader guy. You know what I mean? So, but one thing that also is very popular now that, you know, I thought Leonard was going to go in this direction. Now podcasts, they're mm -hmm. doing these these shows on podcasts now yeah. where you can actually bring that character to life on a podcast mm -hmm. and and um, act it out. You you know you can do it yourself or you can get some people to to play the parts with you or whatever the case may be. And that has got led to some screenplays for people as well because right now the easiest way to get the notice get noticed these days in social media i mean yeah. that's where everybody's going that's what everybody's doing and some of the biggest stars out there right now have come from social media yeah. um, excuse me um so what's happening is a lot of people are going on and they're creating these podcasts where their whole storylines you know yeah. they're actually taking it back to old school radio yeah yeah you know like the dark shadow series and all these type of series that used to be on the radio back in the day and they're actually um you know having people tuning in each right. week or right. each day to hear what's happening next with this character so that's another way to possibly market your um to market your your books as well um you know, that's something else that, you know, to think about. I, I will ask, I know you and I have had a couple of conversations in reference to your, your life. Now, you just mentioned you were married and went through a divorce, you, um, you and your wife, um, unfortunately. But you also were married a different way. No, I was right? only married once. Oh, you were only married once, but you had a child with uh, a man. You're talking about my, my baby daddy. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting story in itself. Why don't you why don't you talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, I um Well I, I mean I'm not yeah, getting too yeah. personal, you know. It's in the book, but it's in the book. Okay. I met my son's father when I was in Saudi and um I I couldn't help that I was a lesbian, but most important, I wanted to be a mother more than anything. And um you know, sometimes men, I won't say y'all, but sometimes men, <laughs> you know, they, 
think they could change a lesbian's mind of all oh, she needs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. And so, you know, it just happened. And um, he's still in his life today. His father uh, retired, just retired as a colonel. Uh, we have three grandchildren together. Um, but, you know, I caught a lot of flack in the beginning because people were like, <clears throat> Excuse me. I thought you were a lesbian. You slept with a man. I was like, oh shit, whatever. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know about IVF and I wanted to have a child, you know. So I've never allowed anyone to put me in a box. I think I was oh. born, God gave me a healthy sense of self awareness because I didn't really care what anyone thought, you know. Well, that's 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 interesting because I know nowadays. You know, there's, you know, they they have categories almost for everything right now. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is I've heard, and, and it, it's amazing to me because I hear it on such a young age, too. And that's all on both the male and female sides about your, you know, people who are stepping outside of their sexualities to go to the other side. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But then. Once they do that, they are ostracized by the group that they were originally a part of mm-hmm. because they, they, they tell them you're not really this particular way. You're because you're too busy stepping on to the other side. And, and it's really interesting because right now we're in a whole different world when it comes to choice, mm-hmm. when it comes to, uh, of course, you know, we have all the pronouns now. Um, we have all the letters now. We talked Look, about that. Damn and I they keep adding <laughs> <laughs> letter. a number. Like, they're uh, going to add a number? They were going to, some people add numbers like two for two spirited. I don't know. I'm like, oh, wow. I'm wow. I can't. <laughs> I, I want to be respectful of everyone, but okay, this is just wow. a, a bit much. Well, I tell you, it's 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 really interesting because when I look at you know um, when I look at the the way that we are now, you talked about coming out at, at thirteen back in the eighties, and um, I I can only imagine what that must have been like for you because of course you know back in the eighties you know and you know I I I was there so I know what the life was like back then and I know for those that I mean. I went to school with a couple back then they were called tomboys or they were called, you know, they were called lesbian or tomboy. Some were not full lesbians. They were just tomboy type people, you know, mm-hmm. who, um, you know, that may or may not went that way completely. Yeah. Um, you know, but it was interesting to see um, how they were treated. And for someone like yourself who wanted to still remain feminine, but that's who I am. I can't help that. You're right, right. It had to be really a hard time for you, and to be able to push through. When did you feel really comfortable with who you were? How old were you when that happened? I mean, I think it was around eleven. Oh, eleven! Wow. Yeah, I mean, I I knew at a very early age, like four or five, that I like girls. I mean, you know, I'm from Asbury Park, New Jersey, and we grew up in the the village, you know, the projects. And I always liked the little girls who were popping off and 
you know, putting their hands on their hips and stuff. And <laughs> I love all that. You know what I mean? And then we would play house and somebody would want to be the daddy. They want me to be the mommy. And I was like, no, I want to be the mommy and I want Nene to be the mom. That was they were like, that's stupid. I said, Well, I'm not playing then. And then <laughs> someone would be like, I'll be the mommy and you can be the mommy. Wow. Okay. So you knew at eleven, okay. And yeah, then uh, earlier than that. Oh wow. Okay. So as you became an adult, like you went into service at what age? Uh, I think I was twenty twenty one, I think. Okay. 21. Yeah. Um and you know, serving under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, that was so crazy. I mean, I never met so many gay people in the military. I, oh, wow. I mean, I mean, you had officers who were, I remember there was this one officer. Oh, he was so fine. He was pretty. And he had a wife. I was like, child, now you, <laughs> you know, he, he couldn't come out. I mean, and I was out and I was like, look at God, one, um, when we were paired with our ambulance partners, um, my ambulance partner was a beautiful man. He, and he was openly gay. I mean, people just knew we didn't admit it because we were, mm. we can get kicked out, but people just knew, knew about him and people knew about me. And, you know, mm. so I don't like to try to put people in the box because, you know, I've dated women who, and we're still friends to this day. Um, it's like two women. We're still friends to this day. And they never dated another woman but me. And they would say, I don't like girls. I like you. And I can respect that. You know? Okay, well. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Okay. If that's who you are. And then my friends would be like, well, she got to be bisexual if y'all date. Okay. Whatever. But I tend to respect people's, you know, boundaries and categories and all that. So. And let all my all my girlfriends look better than my brothers, honey. <laughs> Are you dating now? No. Um, I've been divorced for seven years. And, you know, I think um, when there's inf infidelity involved, you know, we tend to think about the other person. So I'm taking my time and trying to figure out what part I played and um, you know, what I could have done differently. And so right now I'm just loving myself the way that I love other people. Um, because mm -hmm. in the past I dated women. I had like three major relationships cause I always wanted to be married, but these women weren't out. They weren't out at work to their parents mm -hmm. at the church. And I was out and I was like, how the hell I end up back in the closet. And right. in order to be with them, I had to go back into the closet. So where I am now, it's like I'm just living my authentic life. And, you know, um, after the stroke, I still have some residual nerve damage. And my mother is my caretaker. So um, and that's a blessing because a lot of my girlfriends, their mothers have died. And so when I was going through the divorce, I felt so low, like. How am I sleeping on my mother's couch at 49? What is this? And so I just started looking at it differently. Like, if if anybody's going to take care of me, I would want it to be my mother. And I can take care of her. You know, I spoil her with food. But, you know, she's a foodie. So um, no dating for me. And like I said, 
in some of my other speeches or talks. If you're not out to your mammy, your pappy, the preacher, you can't even buy me a drink. Don't come over here because you may be guilty by association. And I'm just going to be who I am because I don't want someone who's struggling with their sexuality to be like, oh, I think she's gay, but she has children. I mean, she has a son. She has three grandchildren. I don't want that. This is who I am. Okay, that's deep. That's that's really deep. Um, but that that also makes a lot of sense, especially in today's world and when it comes to dating. And you know, a lot of a lot of dating is done online these days. And um, I'm not that. You know, kind of course, <laughs> uh, you're not that kind of girl. Uh, no, I'm, okay, I'm an I'm an organic girl. Like you know, at the gym or at right. weddings, and you see a supermarket. You know what look, I mean? The supermarket, look, the supermarket <laughs> was the best place to meet, to meet back in the day. I used to meet people in the supermarkets all the time. Oh, never mind. Um, I'm not going to say anything. Oh. Uh, no, 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 Dave, but, Dave, Dave, keep, keep on talking. Tell us more. No, Tell that's okay. No, 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 no. Look, look, uh, those supermarkets are, are closed now. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. They were clubs called the supermarket. <laughs> so, so, but... But um, but that's that's um very profound and, and and that also makes a lot of sense because um if people can't be who they really are when they when they are out there trying to meet people, then you know that really causes a lot of issues for a lot of people. It does doesn't affect the person that you're trying to hook up with. It it, it affects everybody and um we hear so many crazy stories nowadays when it comes to these type of stories um, about dating and not telling the truth and not being who your authentic self is. Um, and I watched, and it's just, I, Dave, I watched too many damn episodes of For My Man and Fatal Attraction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those things, them shows scare me, man. Yeah, I'll be like, whoa. <laughs> it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Uh, it's crazy day. out there. Yeah. It happens every day. Yeah, I know. I know it does. So, all right. Well, there you have it, folks. This is, <laughs> you know, when we have guests on like this, um, you know, we try to we try to have people on that are very unique and, and that can, you know, give you, you know, give you a look into their worlds and and also maybe put you in a place that you know, that you may not always be in, you know, so you can try to find out some new things and try to find out how how life is um, for real um, instead of the fairy tales that some of us live in at, from time to time. Yeah. So, but um, why don't you tell us about your your social media pages and where we can find your articles and all of that type of stuff? Um, you can find my articles and um, events uh, and purchase sign personalized copies of the books at um, www.monicaandpickett.com. Um, my uh, Instagram is underscore pretty Monica Pickett, and uh, Facebook is just Monica Monica and Pickett. Okay, great. So, guys, you should be. We want you guys to go out there and try to and purchase those books. Um, we definitely uh, we want we we want to bless her with those book sales and help her with her 
encouraging her to get the screenplay together. Yeah. And, so- and maybe maybe we can get Tyler to ho- holler at her. You know, get hey look. Get our friend to holler at you. <laughs> Get somebody to holler at you. You know, so by the way, uh, stuff he yeah. produces it all. Uh, yeah, he does his own stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, no, we, you know, yeah, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, we do know that a little yeah. too much. Yeah, well, yeah well, so. hey, uh, even they, the, the new movie. Did you see that, Mia Copa? Yes. Uh, yeah. Mia Copa. Uh, did you see it, Leonard? Uh, yes, I did. It was all right. Yeah, I, think, I look at movies differently now. I know yeah. that you stepped it up when it comes to just recording and, you know, because it doesn't look like it's just in one place or. It know. doesn't look like a Tyler Perry movie yes, this time around. It really does yeah, not. It, it, really does, it not. does not. And he, he definitely had some other people involved with the writing and all that other stuff because I was like, oh, okay, this actually makes a little sense. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, so. You know, uh, it wasn't that bad, and I, yeah. I and I actually thought Kelly Rowland did a a really nice job. You yeah, know, same here. You know, I thought she acted well. Yeah. I thought she did a very nice job. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so. uh, the other young lady, her best friend, she was uh, the beautiful actress from Pea Valley. That's where I saw her. That's okay, I was sitting there. That's right. Day. I was sitting there trying to figure out where I knew her from. Pea Valley. And I, yep, that's what it is. Yep, Pea Valley. No, I, I saw that show maybe once. Anyway, um, well, hold on, Dave. You uh, saw it once. And you, you <laughs> talked about it every time I talked to you. Talking about, oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't I, try it. Anyway, don't try it. Yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> well, well, well <laughs> no comment. So, the, uh, no, no, Dave. Dave well, here, here Dave, uh, Dave. If it makes you feel uh, any better. Um, and Monica, I'm not sure if you've seen it. There's a, and and beyond, my wife and I were hooked on it. There's a really? show. It's a Tyler oh, Perry series. Valley, you talking about? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Hey, um, there's right. a Tyler Perry series called um. Dang, what it, it has Eva Queen. Yeah, all the queens men. Yo, yo, we yeah. we love that show. Yeah, she is acting her ass off in that. Yeah, show. yeah. They, have have you seen all the? It's a Tyler Perry series called. Yeah, all you're the, talking about with uh, Eva. Um, uh, yes. What's her name? I think Marcel. Yeah, Marcel. Mar- Marcel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I keep saying I'm going to go because I want to go back to the beginning and watch it. So yes, I my, am aware of it. Yeah. My my wife and I have been watching it since the beginning, and 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 I and I was telling I was telling my wife too. I'm like, you know what? You might be glad like this is a really good storyline because. It, it it takes place basically in a men's strip club. <laughs> so it's yeah, kind of like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I will say, I think it's a great show. Yeah. Eva, Eva acts her ass off. Like really it, 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 if Cookie Lions from Empire won any awards and Eva need to win some awards for, for her <laughs> acting on this show. Working that role. Yeah, yeah, she does. Yeah. Well, I tell you something. I tell you another character. Um, the woman that was in Mia Copa, that was the art gallery owner. She oh, was okay. in the haves and the have-nots. Yes. Yeah, she commands your attention anytime she's on camera. Really, with those is, eyes. Yeah, yeah. She's 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 really. She just has that presence about her. Yeah. So when she showed up, when she showed up in that, I was like. Oh no! Here come the mess. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so 
All right. So what we're going to do now, we got a couple stories that we wanted to talk about, and we we want to get your input on these stories as well. So we're going to get into our news and trends portion of the show. And you guys are listening to News and Trends with Dave and Lynn. Thank you for taking the time for hanging out with us, as um, you usually do on our Tuesday night shows. Um, so we're going to get into these stories that we have for you. Um, our first story is about our our favorite person and our favorite judge. <laughs> Did Clarence Thomas hire a clerk who allegedly wrote I hate black people text? Now, first of all, does this sound like something that Clarence Thomas would do, folks? Yes. Hell yeah. Okay, okay. All right. I thought I thought we'd be in agreement about that. So I'm going to read a little bit about the story. It says, raise your hand if you're surprised to learn that Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas recently made headlines by hiring a law clerk who faced allegations of sending racist, racist text messages as reported by the New York Times. As we thought, nobody's hand went up. Of course not. The clerk in question, Crystal Clanton, a graduate of the Antonin Scalia Law School at George Mason University and former national field director for Turning Point USA is set to work with Justice Thomas during the 24-25 term. Clanton um, came under scrutiny in 2017 article by the New Yorker which detailed allegations that she has sent racially charged text messages to fellow members of the Turning Point USA. One of the messages um, reportedly stated, I hate black people, like, you know, F them all. I hate black people, end of story. Uh, Despite the accusations, Clinton has claimed she does not recall sending such messages. Of course not. <laughs> however, those <laughs> however those allegations did not go unnoticed. In 2022, a federal court appeal, uh, a federal appeals court investigated an appellate judge who had hired Clanton, prompted by the reported text. Ultimately, the investigation did not find sufficient evidence to support claims of racism against Clanton. Notably, during the investigation, Clanton received support from the chief judge of Atlanta's federal appeals court, who was the one to hire her, as well as the Justice Clarence Thomas himself. I'm going to stop right there. So here we are, our favorite guy on, on the Supreme Court, goes out and does something that just makes no sense. <laughs> Nothing he does seem to make sense to me. I don't, I mean, I don't, how he gets away with the stuff that he does, I don't know. But why, and why would he think that he can do, hire somebody like this and think that nobody would know about it? I don't, I don't make any, that just doesn't make any sense to me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, they, I, I agree. I think, definitely think it's crazy because you know, I feel like in today's age, everything you do can almost be traced back to you. So I don't know how she thought that she could, you know, send those messages and say what she said and it not get back to somebody. So 
I mean, de definitely crazy. And I think it's crazy that whoever her new employer is, is kind of protecting her, you know, against what she did. So. Yeah. I, yeah. I think with Clarence Thomas, I just think there's so much self-hatred that I don't think he cared if it got out um, because he just aligns himself with powerful white men, millionaires, billionaires. And so I don't really think he cares. I mean, he's allowed to do whatever he wants to do and there are no consequences. Well, obviously that's the truth because it seemed like he's been getting away with this stuff for years. And, um, you know, he doesn't seem to have any allegiance to minorities at all. None at uh, all. None at all. Um, and to, and he's real quick to align himself with the other side. And it's really a shame because, you know, I remember when he first got into office, you know, you know, you would have thought that this guy, I mean, you know, uh, became um, part of the Supreme Court. You would think that this guy, oh, wait, we got, we got, we got somebody in there, y'all. Let's, let's be happy about this. But right away, we found out that wasn't the case, <laughs> you know, so. They nominated him, so they got what they wanted, so. Yeah, <laughs> they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. they did. They, uh, they got the uncle that they wanted, so. Um, Okay. All right. Well, I just wanted, I saw that story and I just said, well, you know, Clarence Thomas is doing what Clarence Thomas does, <laughs> you know, so let's, let's, um, so, and, and of course it's Black History Month still. So, you know, I just figured I'd bring the story up so right. we can, uh, we can see that we still got work to do folks. We still got work to do. So, all right. Um, Lynn, what's, what you got for us? Yep. So, um, the, the next top I have, I, I saw it today and I, I, I want to get uh, your inputs on it, Dave and Monica. So the article was about, the article I saw was about a TikToker who made notice of um, la Latinos or Latinas or people in Latin culture using the word negrita or negrito, you know, kind of spinoffs of negro and, neg well, maybe not negra, but... So what they were saying is that, you know, a lot of people in the um, Latin community have long since used those two words, uh, negrita and negrito. And of course, it translates to, you know, a version of the word black. Mm -hmm. But they're saying nowadays, the, the, the question that, that kind of came up with social media, is this a term of endearment? Or is this a word that, you know, we need to get rid of? And one of the references that they made about it was uh, they said in um, 2020, Jennifer Lopez, one of her songs, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say the Spanish part, but the translation in English was, I will always be your little black girl from the Bronx. So um, for that in Spanish, it had the word negrita in it. And so I was just wondering, especially Monica, since I know you you were in the um, um, you know, in the military, and you probably travel different places. How how do you feel about hearing, you know, if there was somebody in the Latin community referred to you as Negrita? I, I just, for me personally, I think it it's offensive. Mm -hmm. 
um, and oftentimes it's used as such. Um, it's like everybody wants, you know, our culture, you know, our our spice, you know, uh, just everything about us. But then when it really comes down to being black, they they will never understand. Right. And, you know, I was listening to one of the previous podcasts and Dave was talking about, I think it was in Texas where the family had the N-word painted Merry Christmas in on their right. car. Oh, yeah. I'm like, well, are we surprised? I mean, mm -hmm. this is 2024, but this country, the foundation was built on racism. So I don't think that's ever going to go away. So I'm never surprised when I hear that. Mm -hmm. you know? But with this Negrita, I, I would feel offended. Right. Yeah. Dave, Dave, what about you? Yeah, I wouldn't want to be called Negrita either. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> So, um, but I just think that, you know, unfortunately, there's slick words out there that keep being used that people keep trying to masquerade, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we know what they're saying. I mean, because, you know, no matter what way you might put it, it still means the same thing. I mean, you and I did the show last week where we talked about the, the words that the kids are saying in the classrooms that the teacher wanted to ban. Mm -hmm. um, yep, the there's always those slick ways of saying black, you know, the N-word, you know, mm -hmm. whatever way you want to put it. There's always slick ways of, of being. It's been going on for years. I mean, you know, the Italians have words for us. You know, right. the Jews have words for us. I mean, it, it, everybody had words for us. And we, you know, we won't even talk about, you know, our, our, the Caucasian um, persuasion. You know, they always have words for us. Yeah. And there's a, like a, it's not one or two. It's like a, a, you know, it's like a bevy number. I mean, it's a big number of words out there that they have used to describe us out of our names, out of our culture, you know. And it's really a shame that they that we're still having these conversations in 2024. It really is, you know. Yeah, I, that's the way I feel about it. You know, and, um, a mess. Yeah. Really, I mean, is. and I would be offended too if somebody did that yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I I I think that also one one of the things that for me when I think about it makes it more offensive is more than likely if you're using the word negrita or negrito you're probably speaking in Spanish and I, I don't speak Spanish. So I don't know what you're saying, but when I hear that, like it, it just gives me a bad feeling almost like you're talking about. Me, so. Well, yeah. And now look, I'm going to, my ear is going to be picking up, you know, I'm going to be paying more attention now because <laughs> I work, you know, I, you know, I know people that speak Spanish fluently and I, know, I work with mm -hmm. people that speak Spanish. So now if I hear that, is really going. I'm, if I hear that word pop up now, I'm going to like, yeah. oh, did did they just say what I think I heard? So, 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 so Dave, you're saying you're saying the next time you're sitting at your desk and the Spanish person like, yeah, that uh, that Negrito over there has the paperwork. What 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 are you going to say? I'm sorry, Negrito. Yeah, I'm going to write it down. <laughs> and the next thing, next thing I'm going to uh, do because I'm probably not going to say anything to them because mm -hmm. that could cause a problem. But I'm going to I'm going to uh, send a copy of the definition to 
management and let them know, yeah. hey, look, this is not accepted. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so, you know, um, and that's exactly what I would do, especially if you're, if you're saying it in Spanish, so you think I don't know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Now, that's malicious right there. Now, mm-hmm. now get away with that. Now, now, just for a flip side, so um, the article also says, um, and and this is from one of your, one of their the interviewees' pers- perspective. Everybody in Puerto Rico has been using the term negrita for a very, very, very long time. To try to cancel this is ridiculous. It's never been a derogatory term for us Puerto Ricans. Um, all Puerto Ricans come from interracial parents anyway. How do do you feel that when we go to other countries, we should press for change or do, should we just kind of understand that, you know, that's part of their culture? And, you know, if we go, it's something we have to deal with. Hmm. I, you know, I think we should press for change. Um, for example, when I was in Saudi, um, we had some time off and we went to a restaurant um, and the gentleman in the restaurant wanted to sit the female soldiers in the back of the restaurant. And our commander was like, absolutely not. They're American soldiers and they're sitting up front with everybody else. You know, mm-hmm. they followed behind the men and all this. Trying right, to fight. Right. I was like, I'm, just, I'm over here fighting and you trying to sit me in the back? No, no ma'am. So yeah. we for that and not there, not that time. <laughs> yeah, that whole cultural thing in other countries, you know, that's kind of a slippery, a slippery slope, right. you know, because you know, you know, you're coming from America and you're going over to a, a, another country and you see some cultural differences going on there that you don't particularly like, but because it's their culture, mm-hmm. you have to, you know, you have to figure out if you're going to deal with it or you know, how you can deal with it or if you should say something about it, you know, or not to address you certain ways or do certain things around you. Now, of course, you know, we know that, um, <laughs> well, I'm trying to preface this and say <laughs> that because <laughs> we, we know, I mean, certain people aren't going to put up with that. You know what I mean? They go over to those countries. And they don't like what they see. They're going to speak up and say, I don't like yeah. it. And you guys can't do it. Right. Now, of course, you know, we, you know, we can't always do that, but you know, we, I mean, we can voice our, we can voice our opinion, but of course we look, we're looked at as different because, you know, that we might have an anger issue or something like that. If we say something, you know, but I don't know. I, I, you got to do your research on these countries when you go to them. I mean, if you, it's one thing if you're in the service and you you get stationed in these places or whatever, but it's another thing if you're just going on a vacation. Right. You need to do all the research that you yeah. that you can in order to know what you're about to go into. Yeah, yeah. Like Dave, I was gonna say, like I don't know if you heard, and Monica, there was a story about a um, girl who had gone over to Dubai, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, Dubai has some very strict rules, and um, something happened during her shopping experience where she was yelling at a man in public and she got jail time. 
And and I believe that was the reason for her jail time because she yelled at a man in public. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I definitely agree. You know, you kind of have to be a, aware of people's cultures yeah. and some things you may be able to um, modify, but, you know, unfortunately some things you, you, you may just have to accept or not go. It's interesting right. because um, a couple of friends of friends of mine, they went to Barbados and um, my aunt was telling them, you can't wear anything that's camouflaged in Barbados. So uh, I, I, I didn't know that either. Don't play that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So one woman decided to wear camouflage uh, cargo pants. Do you know they stopped her in the airport and made her go in the bathroom change? Wow. You got to be respectful of other cultures too. You got to understand, like Dave said, do the research, but you also have to be respectful. Yeah. You got to know what you're going into. You definitely need to know that, you know, because, I mean, something that's simple, uh, I was watching um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> I like Curb Your Enthusiasm. And, they, you know, Larry David had, you know, it was, you know, it was something crazy. They were down in Atlanta, and apparently, you know, there was a rule that you can't get somebody a bottle of water out on the street, even if they're thirsty or whatever the case is. <laughs> I mean, this is some kind of craziness, right? And Larry, of course, you know, Larry David, man, who he is, he did that, and he ended up in jail yeah. because he did it. Mm-hmm. This kind of stuff, you know, something like that, could be real in another country, you know, where you well, have well, somebody, Dave, something. Dave, huh? and I'm sorry to interrupt you. So, of course, I just came back from Ghana. Right. Our taxi driver was, I mean, our Uber driver was saying the exact same thing because um, in Ghana, there were a lot of people who were kind of like begging on the street. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Well, not a lot, but there were people who beg on the street and they would literally come up to your car at traffic intersection. And he said, just, just what you said, he said, it's illegal for them to beg and it's illegal for you to give them anything because the government knows that if you give beggars water, food, that that propels them to keep on the cycle. So anyway, he said yeah. um, both people can go to jail, the people who beg and the people who like give to the beggar. So may, may, yeah. maybe that's similar to like, you know, the Larry David Kirby enthusiast. Yeah. yeah. Water, yeah, because that's what, the, yeah, because he, he definitely ended up in jail for giving her, giving the lady a bottle, and she was choking and everything. And they, still <laughs> threw him in jail. yeah, it was funny, it was funny, but you know, you know, of course, if you ever watched Curvy Enthusiast, Larry David is yeah. hysterical anyway, so. yeah. So, uh, and one thing I will say about that show, they tackle a lot of racial stuff on that show, and uh, yeah, they do, and, and you know, and they they kind of come from all sides with it, you know, Jewish and, you know, you got, um, you got the black, you know, thing with JB smooth, you know, that's his buddy. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of craziness going on around him all the time. And then, you know, they got Italians on the show. It's it's just a lot going on on the show for a half an hour show. There's so much going on in one half an hour segment. It is really something, but, but I like the show because they do tackle all kinds of things in there. You know, and and it's it you know it's funny, but it also makes you think a lot. You know about some of the stuff that's going on in the world. So, like 
that whole situation that you brought up with that those two words there. So, all right, all right, we're gonna move on to our next story. Uh, I came across this this, and I thought it was interesting. The greatest U.S. president rankings. Mm. <laughs> the top ten. I would. Who do you guys think is the number one ranked president of all time? Based on um, approval rating, um, who do you guys think is number one? Bill now, Clinton. Leonard, I, I, oh, okay. Good, good. Leonard said Bill Clinton. Okay. I don't know. He did too much sneaky shit. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm Obama. Obama. That's it. Okay, of course. Okay, Obama. Okay. Believe it or not, it was Abraham Lincoln. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, let me let me let me kind of fill you in on some things. It says when it comes to the greatest US presidents to hold mm-hmm. office, Barack Obama and Donald Trump are nowhere near each other on the list. Mm-hmm. Citing Desert News. Um it says that the twenty twenty four presidential greatness project experts um, survey reporting that Obama did crack the top 10 at number seven mm. with an average rating of 73.8. Mm. Michelle's husband was the highest amongst um, recent <laughs> presidents on the survey. Hey, hey Dave, uh, why, why, go ahead. Why, why did they call him Michelle's husband? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know that's interesting that they do that in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know they said that Michelle's thinking about you know making a run, but that's a whole nother story. Um, yeah, um, she would win. but they found it, huh? She, said, yeah, she would win. She if she ran this year, it would, if she ran this year, she would win. Well, you I know, mean, so. she, she needs to run now. Like, don't don't that's wait, run, run now. I know, but I'm saying if she ran now with yeah. the, with yeah, it would be a, she would walk away with this election. I think I, I really yeah. do. So, but um. They found Abraham Lincoln at the top with his get his rating was ninety three point eight seven. Wow. That's a high rating. But but yeah. Dave, to be realistic, if Abraham Lincoln was around during the time of social media, you you already know that that rating would be. Yeah, drop. we know, yeah. Yeah, that would they got around to it, yeah. But here here's the rest of it. Rounding out the top five were Franklin um Roosevelt, who was second at ninety point eight three. So that's almost four percentage points lower than Abraham Lincoln at second. George Washington was third at 90.32. Teddy Roosevelt was fourth. It drops all the way down to 78.58. And Thomas Jefferson was fifth at 77.53. Now, then... um, it goes to who was six? Tell you in a minute. Uh, Harry Truman was six at seventy five point three four. Obama was seven mm. at seventy three point eight. Dwight Eisenhower was eighth at eighth at seventy three point seven three. Now I found this to be a surprise. Lyndon B. Johnson was ninth at 72.86. Now we, he was in office only a few years. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that he make, he cracks the top 10. 
and John F. Kennedy was 10th at 68.37. Now, think about that. 68.37, and Abraham had 93. Um, Notable greatest president rankings included current U.S. President Joe Biden at 14th, 62.66. He was higher than Ronald Reagan, believe it or not. But guess what (laughs) Trump's rating was? Negative. (laughs) (laughs) He had the worst rating of all the presidents at 11 point, was it 11 point, some ridiculous figure. Yeah, it was 11%. It was 11%. Oh, wow. Yeah. uh, Oh, here it is. 10.92. You know, I don't know he's able to even run. I I just don't understand politics. Isn't it amazing? I'm like, how it's are amazing you? to me, and he's still winning. He's still winning states. Yes, it's is. amazing to me. He is. It really is. I mean, well, of course, down south, he's going to be popular in the south, yeah. you know. So, I saw he just took South Carolina, and I was just like, "What? Well, what is Nikki Haley doing? What's she going to stop?" <laughs> I don't know, man. I, 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 I just think that whole thing is ridiculous. I, I don't. I mean, the only way they're going to stop it. He could win the president, so he can win the presidential election again yeah, if they don't crazy. stop him. <laughs> how, how is that possible with all these charges and indictments? I don't understand. How can he run for president? We know why. Yeah. What's, 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 go ahead and tell her your favorite thing to say, Leonard. Yes, he, he has the complexion for protection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That That says it all right yeah. there so but anyway i just thought that was interesting and listed um and i I, mean, I was really shocked when i saw abraham lincoln was that high above everybody else but you know uh you know it was during a time that he kind of stood tall and he, well that was actually uh a pun and attentional pun as well but he, he, you know, he, he, Monica, <laughs> you, you remember we talked about the jokes and, and my, my, my jokes kind of hit, his jokes kind of, they, 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 they kind of fall but off see, the side on that the went, floor. That went, that went over, that went over Monica's head, yeah, I think, I think it went over my <laughs> <laughs> See, see, I, that was too, that was too in, intellectual for there. There uh-huh. you go. There you go. I'm, yeah. I'm so. <laughs> So, all right, but I just thought that was a great list. And then, you know, since we're in Black History Month, I, at least we got one in there, you know, but we only had one. So, <laughs> you know, so, you know, so. All right, moving on to our next story. Um, we, uh, Monica, we've been, for Black History Month, we've been doing, uh, sharing the spotlight on um, notable Blacks. And, you know, we, course you know we always hear about the martins and the malcolms and you know all the big names you know so we kind of went to the next tier of people that we wanted to share spotlights on um since this is the last technically the last week of uh black history month um um i wanted to kind of share a spotlight on some of the people some some people that you may or may not heard about before mm-hmm. so so we have 10 unsung black heroes you may not know. 
Um, uh, and I'm just going to read the preface here. It says, your history books may have covered notice- notable African-American trailblazers like Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, and Harriet Tubman, but black history expands much further. So we put together a list of little-known but significant heroes um, in black history and how people, how many people have you heard of? Mm-hmm. So this is actually going to be a little test for you guys, too. Okay, let's see how many of these people you've heard of. Okay. Um, I think Leonard's going to know this one. Let's see if you do. Okay. Have you ever, have, have you ever heard the name Claudette Colvin? No. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Leonard, I know you have, right? Yes. Why don't you tell who she is? So before Rosa Parks, Claudette Colvin was the first person to refuse to go to the back of the bus, but because she was a um a teenage mother and she was a darker skinned black person, she didn't fit the face of the Montgomery bus boycott. So Rosa Parks kind of fit the face more. She already worked for the NAACP, but Claudette Colvin was technically the first person to refuse to get go to the back of the bus and get a little bit of recognition. Wow. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people didn't know that story. Um, wow. It actually happened nine months prior to Rosa Parks. Mm. And but because of and plus she had she had a little bit of a a, a background, you know, and and um, they they just didn't think she was the person to do it. And of course, Rosa Parks was exact opposite of her. She was older, mm-hmm. and you know, and of course, she got all the claim and fame from it. You know, oh. there's a there's a great series on um, TV right now on um, what's that Netflix. Um, called Genius MLK and mm-hmm. and X um, about Mount, uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X when they were young first starting out. Mm-hmm. They mentioned Claudette Coven in this wow. in this uh, series, yeah. So, but we talked about her on our show before. She just died. Um, when was that, Leonard? Like a couple years I'm, ago, right? I'm not sure. Hmm. Right. Recently. Yeah, I know it was recently. All right. Here's another one for you. Baird Rustin. Yes. <laughs> okay, I know you know who he is. Leonard? The the name sounds familiar, but I could not I, I have no idea. Okay. All right. Monica, why don't you tell us about Baird Rustin? Well, he was really the force behind um, the March on Washington, um, and he was um, he was gay, and they tried to threaten Martin Luther King with that. Um, and I think they they parted ways for a, a bit, but they came back together. But he was really the force behind the March on Washington. Yes, and that is true. And what's interesting, you know, Leonard, um, the. Um, Coleman Domingo just played them in a movie last year. As a matter of fact, it, it was a very widely acclaimed. I think he was nominated for a couple awards for that movie. He actually won um, a Golden Globe for that movie, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he played them in a movie. Um, you know who Coleman Domingo is, Leonard? 
No. What? <laughs> I knew he did. I knew he did. He's in the color purple. I know you didn't see the color purple. I already know that already because Leonard don't like he don't like musicals. So I, I know he didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, he's different. He's different, Monica. I'm telling you, he's different. And you know, so don't get me started wife, on that. This is all I can say. Ain't, ain't nothing like the original. So I I have seen the original, but um, the color purple, the new one, I have not seen. It's really good. Well, Really, yeah, I actually watched it yesterday for the first time. Yesterday, yeah. So. Well, my, Monica, uh, Monica, if, if Dave would give me his Netflix, Showtime, Paramount, <laughs> Peacock, and Hulu passwords, you know, I could watch. I could watch some of these movies he's always talking about, but you know, he, he, he hurry up because they they cutting people's accounts short. They're not letting. Wait, Dave, 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 you here? You better hurry up. Yeah, Monica Leonard. Owns <laughs> Leonard owns a campground. He owns. He's one of the few black-owned campgrounds in the whole United States. What? <laughs> yes. Wow. And he's asking me for my passwords. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and, okay. And Monica, oh, you and didn't Dave, know that. And, huh? Dave, and, Dave, yeah. and Dave and Dave's not giving me his password. Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't need them then. De- deflection. <laughs> Yeah, hey, no, 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 Monica, no. Monica, quick question. Mm-hmm. Do you have do you have a Prime account? No. Okay, do you have Netflix? Yes. Do you have Hulu? No. Do you have Paramount? No. Peacock? No. Okay, Dave, we both need Paramount, Peacock, <laughs> and Hulu, okay? We we both need those accounts. Come up off the goods. Look, let me tell you. <laughs> it's funny, it's funny. The Hulu, the Hulu. I do have Hulu. I have we need Disney that. Plus. We but need that, that. But that's that bundle package that I got on the phone for five ninety nine. That I that, okay. that I find it on the TV. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And look, let me restate this again. Leonard owns one <laughs> one of the few black owned campgrounds in the whole United States. Wait a minute. How large is it? It's a uh, thirty. So how large, Leonard? Huh? Thirty-two acres. Oh God, that's one of those killer shows. <laughs> oh, yo, yeah. Oh, my, yeah. In, in fact, Monica, when, when you when you do the movie, let me know. You can come to GNR Campground anytime to shoot well, any shoot, shoot any that. scene. <laughs> come on. And they got cabins. Look, they got those cabins down there, like they got in those movies and everything. Mm-hmm. And they got woods, and they got yep. they got a swimming pool there that people yeah. can get drowned in, and all uh, that stuff. But yeah. but but Monica, Dave is trying to flex that he don't want to give us five ninety nine worth of streaming. How you get look, that? look look look! I get look. You heard what I said. This is my partner, you know. So look, you need to Google this man. Google, <laughs> you know. So anyway, so that's enough about that. I'm not saying that's how I shut that down. Anyway, um, um, moving on. And I have to admit, uh, Monica, I didn't know much about Rustin until the movie came out. I was really shocked that I'd never heard of him before. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting because I wrote a, no, I didn't write an article. I did a uh, a video for um, Black um, for uh, Black History Month. And, you know, I don't want to be an unsung hero. I want my story to be told. 
you know, right. or someone else. I just don't want that, you know, and I'm well, really yeah. It's a different time. Well, and that's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, a person like this and to see all the, you know, how, how valuable and important he was during that particular time. And in that show that I was just talking about, the Malcolm and Martin thing, mm-hmm. he's, he's present in that. That's, mm-hmm. he, there's a guy playing him in that, in that show. And I was like, how come I've never heard of this guy before? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Leonard, don't feel too bad not knowing who he was because I it, it was I, last year. I, I, I honestly, last year was the first time I ever heard his name. We're like one and one then. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Dave. We, Dave, we we need a tiebreaker now. Well, I knew who he was though, so I ain't going. You know, I just if I if you asked me that question over a year ago, I wouldn't I wouldn't have known who he was. For sure, so. sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right tiebreaker. Next, next one. Do either of you know the name? Recy Taylor, R E C Y Taylor. No, I do not. And you know what? I'll be. I'll join you. I didn't know this. <laughs> one, okay. <laughs> and let me tell you. Let me give you a little background. Recy Taylor's story, though unpleasant, served as one of the first foundations for racial uh, racial activism. Mm-hmm. While in while returning home from church in 1944, Taylor was abducted and sexually assaulted by six white men before being abandoned on the roadside. Hmm. Her case and its neglect by the Alabama government. Oh, I know who this is. Soon became brought the attention of the local African-American community. This is the young lady that um, was represented by the NAACP. I remember this now. Um, African-American community and national uh, NAACP. While Taylor's case was dismissed twice in court, it is now considered a major step, um, a major step um, in the formation of civil rights of the civil rights movement. Wow, I did not know. See, I never knew her name, but I do remember the. I do remember hearing about that now. So, but that was. So she was the. It was that case that kind of started the whole civil rights movement. So, this next one, both of y'all better know this guy. What? George Washington Carver. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Leonard. Leonard. Yeah. Yo, you got to worry about Leonard sometime, guys. No, you so I don't need to. T- <laughs> you don't. I'm not. I'm not going to talk about um, George Washington Carver because all of us know George Washington Carver. Uh, here's a new one. Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler. Yes. Anybody ever heard that before? I I I, I only know it because she has Delaware roots. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. Dave, Dave, you didn't know that? No. Hey, hey, Monica, you gotta watch out for this guy right here. No, I did not know that. Okay. No. Monica, have you ever heard of her? No. Okay. Here we go. So no, there's no photos of Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler um, to have survived. Her legacy has lived long past her time. Not only was Dr. Lee Crumpler the first female African-American physician, mm. but her work led her to publish book, book of Medical Discourses in two parts in 1883. Mm-hmm. which is widely regarded as one of the first medical texts written by an African-American author. 
Dr. Lee Crumpler practiced throughout Boston and Virginia. Let's see, that's down there where you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, during her time. Wow. Um, as a physician and care for free slaves mm-hmm. after after the end of the Civil War. Yep, and there Dave, Dave, Dave where, where was she born? It did, oh, I don't have that. Um, where, where was she born? She was born in Christina, Delaware. Wow. No, really? Yep. yep. So the Crumplers, there's a, you know, there's a family of Crumplers from Wilmington. I wonder if they're related to her. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, uh, that's interesting. I All never right. knew that. Tiebreaker one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next one is Fred Jones. Has anybody ever heard of Fred Jones? No. I mean, Dave, um, what, hold on, what's his middle name? Because, you know, there are a lot of Fred Jones out There's here. no middle, there's no, no middle name. Right. Okay, I, I do not know. Well, okay, he was an inventor. Uh, his contributions during his lifetime was uh, uh, momentous and could and can be felt to this day. As a naturally gifted mechanic, Jones was self-taught, which helped him to invent a portable air conditioning unit for trucks in 1938. This unit could be used to preserve perishable foods during transport. Oh, so don't tell me he he created the patent for the refrigerated trucks. Hmm. Wow. And Thermo King and and its formation of the Thermo King um, Corporation. Hmm. Why don't we know about these people? That's what I'm saying. It's it's amazing. I mean, I've never heard of him either. Hmm. Um, and his trucks were used to transport um, blood and medicine um, yeah. during the war. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Both of you guys should know this next person. And then Leonard, I know, knows it because we just talked about Miss Shirley Chisholm last week. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I know both of y'all know her. Mm-hmm. We actually talked about her last week. So that was great. Okay, here's another one. William Hasty, H A S T I E. Nope. Nope. He was the first African American federal and appellate judge. Wow. Um, he led a distinguished private law um, law career before being appointed as the United States District Court for. Virgin Islands by President Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1937. Hmm. Wow. That's major. He he became a law educator at Howard University of Law, where he taught the soon-to-be famous Thurgood Marshall. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Amelia Boynton Robinson. Nope. I have heard of her before. Um, Activist Amelia Boynton Robinson started out small with her contributions to the civil rights um, movement before becoming one of the principal uh, strategics in the multiple protests in Selma, Alabama. Hmm. Oh, by the way, Leonard has a uh, trailer mobile home part in Alabama as well. So um, anyway, I just thought I'd mention that too. I was um, not on that campground, right? 
<laughs> no, that's no the yeah. campgrounds in Delaware. Yeah. The mobile the mobile home park is in Alabama. <laughs> so so yeah, um you may not want to go there to shoot your your show either in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was firstly an educator. Boynton Robinson worked with her husband Samuel William Boynton to improve conditions for African Americans in Selma. And she worked with Dr. Martin Luther King to do that and John Lewis also. So, yes. Okay. The, okay. All right. This is the last one. Okay. Uh, let's see if you guys, you guys better know this person. Matthew Henson. Yes. Leonard? No. No. <laughs> Uh, Leonard, Leonard. Okay. Although history largely ignored Matthew Henson until the late 20th century, his contributions in um, the field of exploration have made him a significant name today. Get the seaman. Henson spent many years as a cabin boy where he learned principles of navigation and other vital knowledge to work, uh, to working as a crewman. Henson later went on to accompany Commander Robert E. Perry to many expeditions to the Arctic, including the 1909 expedition where their team discovered the North Pole. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised you didn't down. You didn't hear about that guy in school, Leonard. No, no. I mean, now that you explain who he was, I, I do remember. But when you said the name off off base, no, um, it's okay. Nothing was clicking. It's Monica said it's tie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, Dave we, we need a tiebreaker now. We need a tiebreaker. Well, that was the last one. That was the last one. We're going to leave well, it tied. We're going to okay. we're gonna right, leave well, it tied. I mean, I could I could throw some random name out there, but you'll probably lose uh, up. Let me see. Well, you no, want to no. hear something funny? No, you want no. – this is funny. Okay. Well, hold on, hold on. Yesterday, who, hold on, hold on. Who, who's going to tell it? Because if it's funny, maybe I should tell it. You don't know the story. Anyway, so <laughs> – <laughs> so yesterday, my son, my youngest son, invited invited me out to dinner for my, you know, he wanted to treat me to dinner for my birthday. So I said, okay. So I said, well, what do you want to eat? And, you know, he said, well, it's up to you. And I said, so we go to the soul food place. You ever been to, Leonard, you ever been to L&G's soul food? Yes. Okay. So we went down to L&G's to get get some food i didn't know that they had sold the area where you could sit down and eat mm -hmm. so we went there thinking we were going to be able to sit down and eat in there and of course now that's a taco place over there so but the oh, main, i didn't know so i didn't we, know that either yeah i didn't know so that was the first time i had been in there we i've ordered food from there but i hadn't been there you know so right. so i was kind of disappointed because i was hoping we'd be able to sit down and eat so we order the food, food gets ready. And so there's a guy in there talking to, there's a young guy who's handing the food out to the counter. He's like 25 years old. And the guy, um, the, the older, there's an older guy that's working there with him. And he's saying, the older guy says, the two greatest, the best athlete I ever seen was Bo Jackson. Both mm -hmm. of you guys know who Bo Jackson is? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, then he says, the second greatest athlete I ever seen. Now, the reason he said Bo Jackson, because Bo played both baseball and football at the same time. 
he said the second greatest athlete I ever seen was Deion Sanders, who also played football and basketball. I mean, baseball. The kid that's working the counter with him says, who's Deion Sanders? And all of us, there's two, there's a couple of older guys, you know, we're waiting for, and all of us had a fit. Who's Deion Sanders? <laughs> like that, right? You really don't know who Deion Sanders is? And the guy, he felt we jumped on him. <laughs> you know, he's like, no, I don't know who he is. And that, and so my son, who's 29, now that kid was 25. My son is 29. I said, do you know who Deion Sanders is? He said, no, who's that? <laughs> Dave, so, Dave. I tell you, you know, but they knew, both of them ironically knew who Bo Jackson was. I thought that was strange that they knew who Bo Jackson was, but didn't know who Deion Sanders I said, how can you not know who Deion Sanders is? His name has been in the news, like, all over the, for the last year. Right. But they didn't know who he was. That's so... So, so, never mind. What, 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 what you going to say? I wasn't going to say nothing. Go ahead. Yes, you were. You agree. No, no, no. The uh-huh. reason I brought that up is just tells you how, how, you know, depending on how old you are and what's being taught in the schools, you're not going to know who certain people are these days. You know, and unfortunately, you and I talked about this last week. Black history is not being taught the way it should be taught. We we should not, we should, a person like Rustin, we should have known about him way before we heard heard of him now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, I'm, like I said, I've, I'm older than both of you. I've never heard of him before. What? Until last year. I think I only did because he was gay. So he was always, you know, a hero to me. So, unsung okay. hero. Wow. Okay. Well, that's why that's why we have to, you know, we have to take the time to read about these heroes, um, unsung heroes, and that's why I wanted to bring that part up. Okay. All right. Well, we're moving into our last part of the show, and uh, you guys are listening to news. You have been listening to news and trends with Dave and Lynn, our special guest, Miss Monica Pickett, who's hanging out with us tonight. Author Monica Pickett. And um, so we're going to, we're getting to Len's favorite part of the show, um, which is Dave's Corner. Ask why that's his favorite part of the show. Why? You care to answer, Len? No, I'm, I'm going to let you answer since, since, you say <laughs> since you say it's my favorite. It, it, it is your favorite because I ask questions that, uh, that try to I try to stump him with these questions <laughs> sometimes he does pretty good and sometimes he doesn't so that's why but this is the night's question if you had the chance since we have an art, uh, uh, author on with us tonight this is for both of you if you had a chance had the chance to to write the great the greatest novel ever written about uh, what would you write about and why? Now, this is the pre- preference. Um, the novel should be about um, something or person or place or thing. Um, it could be somebody famous. It could be something famous, you know, that we all know about, but from your own perspective. Hmm. Hmm. So... 
get your thinking cast on real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, Monica, you want to go first, or Leonard, you want to go first? We'll let our guests go first. Okay. All right. You know, I he put, he's putting the pressure on you, Mark. That's what he's trying to do. <laughs> um, I would have to say, um, Harriet Tubman, only because okay. I would want to know what it was like trying to free the slaves and what she went through as as a, a black woman, you know, uh, and of course those that didn't want to leave how she dealt with that. I mean, we've seen movies, but I just would want to know her personal perspective. You know. Now, what what with with uh your own thoughts and everything, what would make if you had a chance to write the story, mm-hmm. would there be any different um things that you would include in the story outside of what we know about Harriet Tubman. Yeah, just who she was as a woman, you know. Uh, I think she was married. Did she have children? Yeah, she was married. Yeah, she, she was, was married. Yeah, but did she have children? And, you know, what what, what was that like, you know, um, just from mm-hmm. a, a woman's perspective? You know. Okay. All right. Okay. So Harriet Tubman. Okay. All right, Leonard. So mine would actually be about Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And mine would be a different perspective. There were a couple of pictures I saw recently. Um, one picture I saw, it looked like he was chilling in a pool in Jamaica, like mm-hmm. smiling. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of course, right. every, every time we think about Martin Luther King, we think about the I Have a Dream speech. We think about, you know, Montgomery and civil rights. But... You know, um, they say Martin Luther King died at like 33 years old. So I would like to see the other side of him where he's having fun, where he's smiling. He's enjoying time with his, you know, family. Um, You know, of course, we we heard some not so great things about him as well. But, you know, like I I would like to see some of that as well. Okay. All right. You know. I'm gonna. I'm. <laughs> I would gonna go with this, and I'm and I'm kind of laughing because I don't want to sound like hypocritical or anything in my reason for choosing this particular person. Mm-hmm. But if I could write that ultimate novel, it would probably be about Jesus. I'm going to tell you why. I just want to hang out with him prior to him being um, put on trial with Pilate and them trying to decide what they were going to do with him and try try to talk to him about, like, hey, Jesus, I don't think we should, you know, go this. I don't think we should make this trip, you know, uh, you know, uh, or trying to trying to just pick his brain about because I know he would be doing this because this is what he had to do, and he already knew that he was going to die. Of course, you know he made sure all of his disciples knew that. Mm-hmm. But it still would have been interesting to try to pick his brain and just to see if you can change his mind. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because you wanted, you know, here, here, Leonard, you just talked about how young Martin Luther King was. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the connection to Martin Luther King was always Jesus because they both died at the same age. Mm -hmm. You know, and they both died doing exactly the same thing. You know, except one was shot. You know, the other one was crucified in a different way, but it would have been interesting just to be able to have those conversations and to be able to see what would happen if somebody was able to, like, to say, hey, look, I got another perspective. Maybe you should listen to me. Mm -hmm. Of course, we know what it wouldn't have mattered anyway, but I'm just saying, you know, so... But that's my thought on that. That's that's what I would that would be the novel I would wrote I would write. You know, it'd probably be a, another it'd be uh, another book in the Bible, two point oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. So, so that's probably what I would do. You know. So, but there you have it. Uh, that's that's our that's our views on Dave's Corner today. For those of you who are listening, you know, that like to share your thoughts on Dave's Corner. Please make sure to on news and trends with Dave and Lynn um, dot com or you know your our social media pages which you all have. Um, Monica, why don't you give your contact information and social media information again? Mm -hmm. Sure, it's um, www.monicampickett.com. Um, you can also purchase signed and personalized books there. Um, and you can read my articles that I've written for various platforms. And uh, my Instagram is uh, underscore pretty Monica Pickett. Facebook, LinkedIn is just Monica Pickett. All right. Uh, uh, I might have to check into your book. Into what? Letter. We've got to write the date. Uh, checking your book um you know i'm still waiting on the audio book though i'm still waiting <laughs> on the audio book i got but, it you know you know i know, uh, you, know, I know. you gotta you gotta do that look look you know if you i told you if you need somebody to help you out <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> you know so, so oh and, and by the way Dave, um happy belated uh, birthday I, I missed your birthday this week and i was home in Jersey dealing with family. Oh, okay. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was, uh, you would enjoy the party, you know, even if, sure. uh, you know, it was, yeah, we always have a good time when we have those parties, but thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so here we are folks at the end of the show and we want to thank Monica for taking the time to hang out with us and, and bless us with everything that's going on with her. Thank you. Please, people, check out go go check out her pages. Check out her books. Um, you don't know. I mean, next, this time next year, she might be blowing up, y'all. Y'all, <laughs> y'all can say y'all heard her on news and trends. It's right. You know, so hey, look, like like Leonard and I talked about um, our with our friend Mr. Woolley. Uh, you know, he came on here talking about he was going to do this documentary. Me and Leonard were like, huh? You really are? And he said he'd never done one before. This was his first time directing. Now he's getting awards. Right, right. So, yeah, you know, so um, so this time, this time, um, we're going to speak it into fruition and make it happen. And you can shoot it over at the campground. 
whatever. I, I watch too many find uh-huh. uncovered. Whatever. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it, folks. Well, thank you. <laughs> there you have it, folks. We are uh, we are coming to the end. We have come to the end of our show. Len, you want to say anything before we sign off? Uh, nope. But um, I do want to say, Monica, thank you for coming on. It was definitely a pleasure. And, uh, you know, hopefully you'll come back on again. I sure will. I love hanging out with you guys. Okay, well, no, don't worry. We'll bring you back. You know, <laughs> if you like hanging out with us, we'll definitely bring you back. So, thank but so thank much. you for taking the time to hang out with us and so forth. And um, people, um, let's make sure you check this young lady out and and check you know because she's she's good at what she does. And and I'm telling you, you're gonna look up and you're gonna say, wait, is that the person I heard? Yeah. That's her. And you know, she'd be you'd be sitting there next to Tyler, waiting for your name to be called. You know what I mean? So that's Thank what's going to happen. So, Thank you so much. all right. So, okay. Have a good <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for thank you for joining us tonight, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Join us next week for another edition of News and Trends with your host. Dave and Lynn. 